0: Father, we thank you at the time that you have prescribed, your son is coming back to take his children home. God, I thank you that Jesus promised that before he died on the cross, that when he died, he would be buried and raised on the third day. And he would go back to heaven to be with the Father and to prepare a place for his children, that where he is, there we could be also. Father, I thank you that this short journey of life on this earth is not all there is for the children of God. I thank you that not only because your son is promised, but Lord, you have proposed in your heart and your divine plan that we would spend eternity with you. And God, I pray that as we study the end time in these weeks and months ahead I pray Lord that you would help me to share the truth of the word of God with this church family and all that will be here and God I pray that you would give us faith to see beyond this life and to see that you do have a place prepared for us and it's all because your son gave himself on the cross that our sins could be washed away and that we would be clothed in the righteousness of Christ and that we would not stand under condemnation because of our sin. Father, today I pray that you might awaken us again to these promises. I pray that the church would be awakened to the fact that we need to be busy right now serving the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I pray, Father, not in an intimidating way, but I pray in a loving way that if there are those here that have not yet trusted Christ as Savior, that even as they consider the truth of the Word of God that Jesus is coming back, I pray, Father, that before the return of your Son, they would trust him as their personal Savior. Father, please bless us in these moments as we listen and as we study the very Word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We want to talk about the rapture today again for the second time. I want to read these verses of Scripture from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. And again, I cannot encourage you enough to bring your Bible and to make notes, to underline things. Please don't let anyone, even the devil himself, tell you that you can't understand Jesus is coming back. Now, folks, as I told you last week, I don't understand it all. I don't know when he's coming. None of us do. But the Word of God promises that he is going to come back. And there's a a number of ways that the end time is going to unfold. And we're looking at the very beginning of end time. It is called the rapture. So listen to these words from Paul. Let me remind you again that Paul was one of the... Uh, one of the men that helped establish the church at Thessalonica, a town there, a very real town. Uh, Often Paul would move on and he would send young associates to serve. Timothy was there serving in Thessalonica and when he was rejoined with Paul, one of the things that Timothy did was to share questions that the church at Thessalonica had to the Apostle Paul. And one of the questions they had, And, folks, again, this is very important to understand. Not only did those early Christians, but even Paul himself thought that Jesus was coming back before their death. And so when Christians began to die, they worried, are the ones that have died in Christ, are they safe? Will they be in heaven when we get there thinking that Jesus was going to come back in their lifetime? And so Paul writes these words to answer their questions and to calm their fears. So listen to these verses, verse 13. And now, dear brothers, I want you to know, and I'm reading this out of the Living Bible because I think it makes it so clear. I want you to know what happens to a Christian when he dies so that when it happens, you will not be full of sorrow as those who have no hope. Now, these are not in my notes, but I'll just point something out. Paul is going to talk about two groups of people. Number one, Christians that have died. And number two, Christians that will be living on the earth when Jesus comes back for his church. And we're going to be, if we're born again believers, we're going to be in one of those two groups. Either we will have died or we will be living when the Lord comes back again. He is coming back. But these, these verses of Scripture are for our assurance to know that all is well because of what our Savior has done for us and what he's got planned for us. And listen to verse 14. And let me point something out. All these promises that we're about to read are based on the death, the resurrection, and the promised return of Jesus Christ. And let me say that again because, folks, this is so important. What Paul is saying here is because Jesus came from heaven to earth and he died, he was buried, he rose again, he ascended back into heaven and he promised he is coming back. And because of what Jesus has already done, This is what Paul says, listen to verse 14, for since we believe that Jesus died and then came back to life again, we can also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him all the Christians who have died. Now, we're going to talk about this in just a moment, okay? And listen to verse 15, and this is a very important verse. I can tell you this directly from the Lord. And again, we'll mention this phrase again in just a few minutes that we who are still living when the Lord returns will not rise to meet them ahead of those who are in the graves. For the Lord himself, verse 16, the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a mighty shout, with the soul-staring cry, of the archangel and the great trumpet call of God and the believers. Now listen to this, and again, this is why I hope you've got your Bible. Circle this, underline it, highlight it. The believers... Who are dead will be the first to rise to meet the Lord. That's the dead believers. But listen in verse 17, the living believers. Then we who are still alive and remain on the earth shall be caught up. Caught up. To be with the Lord in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and remain with him forever. Folks, there's a lot in this, and we're going we're gonna to get to it, okay? In verse 18, so comfort and encourage each other with this news. There's so much that I want to share with you this morning. The next slide is one that we had last week. Let me, let me just point this out again. How will the end time and return of Jesus unfold, okay? And the, the first event, the first stage is the rapture when Christ shall return in the air and take his church to heaven. And folks, let me let me point something out. We, we touched on this last week. The word rapture is not in this passage, right? But the expression caught up, and, and this is how I understand this. Of course, you know the New Testament was written in Greek. Then... It was translated into Latin, and the Latin word for being caught up is the word rapture. And so in English now, we, we call this event the rapture, but let me, let me tell you what this concept, being caught up to be with Christ, means. And, and again, I'm just trying to pass this on to you because I think it's very helpful Years ago, and I don't know if this gentleman is dead, but Kenneth Wiest was one of the best Greek scholars uh, of of his day. And he explained the word caught up or the expression caught up as could be translated with several different meanings. You know, and, and this is to say, this gives this expression to be caught up full meaning. Okay, number one, to be caught up, to be with the Lord could also be translated to catch away speedily. How quickly is this going to happen? You remember in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is going to say this is going to happen in the twinkling of an eye. And there's another way that this could be translated, to seize by force. To seize by force. Think about it for just a second. Will Satan and his armies try to keep god's children from leaving this earth there's one other way that this could be understood and i want you to just think about this if jesus came back today is there anything as a believer that would want you to stay on this earth now think about this for just a second and be honest with yourself don't answer out loud you see after the after the, the rapture occurs, then according to the word of God in the book of Revelation, the great tribulation will begin. Seven years of just violence and, and all kinds of things happening on this earth as the judgment of God falls upon this world because the Christians have been taken out. The Holy Spirit has been taken That's the only thing holding back the raft of God. Do you and I understand that? The world certainly doesn't. If people are still here when the church is taken out of the world at the rapture, then here comes the judgment of God. And if you'll begin reading in chapter 6 of the book of Revelation into chapter 19 of the book of Revelation, and pardon the expression, but hell comes to this earth as Satan begins to control And do on the earth what he's wanted to do. And have mankind worship him. You can't imagine the evil that this world is going to face. Why would anybody want to stay on the earth? But let me ask you something. As a Christian, as a believer, what is keeping us from serving Jesus Christ right now? Because we've gotten so caught up in the world. And and it's always reading... This expression, to by force, will the Lord have to literally pull some people, some Christians out of this world because we've fallen so in love with the world. You remember Lot's wife? God said, as I take you out of, out of um, Sodom and Gomorrah, don't look back. You remember that story? And, and I'm, I'm not trying to be comical this morning, but you know, and this might be an illustration that you're not going to like. But what if you just won a $100 million lottery and all of a sudden you hear the trumpet sound? What are you going to do as a Christian? And, you know, we've gotten so caught up in the things of, of the world, we don't care about the second coming. We want to stay here as long as we can. I've even made, now I've made this statement. Y'all probably heard me say it from the pulpit. I'd like to be on the, I don't want to die right now. I want to be on this earth. I want to scare some more turkeys and deer. I want to kiss my wife a couple more times. I want to drive down the road and afford to pick up longer. But, but listen, folks, have we so got focused on the world that we're not looking up to heaven? And is that why we have such a struggle with understanding Jesus coming back for us? But folks he is another aspect of being caught up and another another para, uh, translation of this would to be claimed for one 's own self. You know why Jesus is coming back he 's coming back for his bride, and i 'm not talking about a woman i 'm talking about the Church of Jesus Christ. you remember we are called his bride in the Bible, in the New Testament, Paul talks about the church being his bride. In Revelations chapter 19, there's a story of the marriage supper of the Lamb. We are his bride. And I'm not talking about bride in the sense of a man and woman being married. I am talking about the love that Jesus Christ has for us. He's coming back for us because he loves us and he's going to take us out of this world. And another translation of this... It's to move to a new place. Guess what? We're going to move from this earth where? To the place that Jesus has prepared for us, which we call heaven. And also, this could be translated to be rescued from danger. Folks, there's a lot of debate. I've just told you about the great tribulation that's coming on this earth. There's a lot of debate about when will the church be taken out? Will the church be here during part of the tribulation and 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 I'm not trying to tell you what to think. I'm just going to tell you my opinion, okay but if you've got your Bible still open, look at chapter one verse ten, chapter one verse ten okay and i'm just i, I I'd like for you to read the verses around that, but listen to. 1 Thessalonians 1:10, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the raft to come. And then look at chapter 5, verse 9. Chapter 5, verse 9: For God has not destined us for raft, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that these two verses, and I think there's others, suggest that the church of Jesus Christ will be taken home before the time of tribulation that will come to the world from God as sin is judged and punished on this earth. And you might say, well, what's the big deal about all this? Folks, again, I'm just trying to affirm to you what the word of God says: Jesus is coming back. And I want to read, before we go any farther, I want to read to you again Acts chapter 1, verses 9, 10, and 11. We've read this, I think, every Sunday, but let me read this again. And this is after Jesus had been with his disciples after his resurrection for at least 40 days. When he had said this, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. A cloud took him out of their sight, and while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. And said, men of Galilee, why why are you looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And folks, my understanding of this is as Jesus ascended into heaven... At the time of the rapture, he's going to come back on the clouds. He is not going to, and I'll say this again probably several more times, he's not going to come back and stand on the earth at this moment. He will be in the clouds, and the church of Jesus Christ will be lifted out of this world to go be with him. And you say, can that really happen? (laughs) Absolutely. God can do whatever he wanted to do. Why is this earth still... Suspended in space like it is right now. Why are we not burned up by the sun? Why is there gravity? Because God so ordained all these things. But let me get back on track, okay? And here's what I want you to think about this morning. From the beginning of time until the present, mankind has tried to solve the riddle of death and the afterlife. And, you know, even listen to these verses out of the book of Job. Listen to this. Job, you remember his life? He was in such turmoil, and his friends, he had lost everything. His friends were just putting him down, and he is struggling. He is in a state of depression. And listen to what he says. If a man dies, shall he live again? This thought gives me hope so that in all my anguish I eagerly await sweet death. Job believed in life after death, and his life was so torturous to him at that moment that he welcomed death because he knew that death had to be better than life. But folks, then he says something. And remember, Job is one of the oldest books in the Bible. Listen to what he says, though, in chapter 19. But as for me, as for me, listen to this. I know that my Redeemer lives and that he will stand upon the earth at last. And I know, listen, I know, I know that after this body has decayed, what does that mean? This body has died. You know, we've got it all mixed up in this life, don't we? We think that we're living in the land of the living going to the land of the dying. But that's backwards. We're living the land of the dying going to the land of the living. Amen? Now, just think about that for just a second. Not because I said it. A professional golfer, Christian golfer said that. Let me get back on track. And I know that after this body has decayed, this body shall see God. And listen to this. Then he will be on my side. Yes, I shall see him not as a stranger but as a friend. What a glorious hope. You see, even way, way back in the Old Testament, God is affirming that there is life after death. And folks, just think about the struggle in our day. Philosophers have wrestled with the question of immortality and afterlife. Spiritists have struggled with it. And folks, you won't believe this. Uh, These notes were prepared a couple of weeks ago. And you know, a, a, a spiritist tries to communicate with the dead. And I, I'm not—I'm telling you the truth. I think it was a History Channel. I was channel surfing, uh, trying to find something. And, and this woman was one of these spiritists who could contact the dead. And and folks, listen. Here's what I'm trying to point out: people are struggling with this, and even scientists, even news organizations. Have investigated the experiences of people who claim they have died and seen the great light and came to life again you've seen some of these programs haven't you and And I remember sitting one day in in the doc, in, in a waiting room at the hospital. And I'm not going to name the person because I don't want you guys to think I'm, I'm either prejudiced or I'm trying to throw off on a person. But this, this well-known TV celebrity was interviewing a lady who shared that she had died and saw the light, went in the tunnel, and then came back to life. And the interviewer said, did you see anybody? And I promise you, this is what this lady said. She said, yes, I saw Jesus Christ, my Savior. And you know what the interviewer said? Oh there's many ways to God. In essence it was a slam on this woman's faith in Jesus Christ that if she died at the end of of life she would meet Jesus Christ. And folks this is what Paul is telling us. You know all of us are going to die unless we're living when the rapture happens. But folks listen at the end of this life it is not the grave for the believer, it is eternity in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ, who has prepared a place for us. Amen. And these Christians there in in Thessalonica they're struggling. What about dying? Is that the end? And folks, I want to point something out. I'm I'm about out of time. I know that. Um, Paul has been asked by these Christians in the church about their brothers and sisters in Christ who have died. And and listen to what he says in verse 13. Paul says in the Living Bible, I want you to know, in the King James, the RSV, the NIV, I would not have you to be ignorant concerning those who are asleep. And let me point something out. Paul uses the word sleep to express a person that has died. And and I want to point something out, And, and just give me just a minute, okay? Paul is not insulting these believers in the church at Thessalonica. He is not calling them a bunch of dummies because he calls them brethren, our dear brothers. These are believers in the church that Paul dearly loves. And now he wants to answer their question about the mystery of life after death. And he is going to just lay it out. And let me show you how Paul begins in that first phrase in verse 15. And I think that first phrase is so very important. Listen to this. The Revised Standard says, For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord. The Living Bible says, I can tell you this directly from the Lord. The King James says, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. Folks, look at those three expressions in different translations and what Paul is saying here he got this information from God and folks I truly believe and and I would never say this about myself I am certainly not a Paul but Paul got so much revelation from the Lord John in the not only the Gospel of John, but especially the book of Revelation. John got so much revelation from God, and it is in this book right here that we call the Bible. And these men are telling us, this is not a story they concocted. This is not some fable. This is not something that they wish would they, that would be the truth. They're saying, we got this from the Lord. This is what the Lord told them. And folks, you and I as Christians need not wonder about life after death because we have a revelation from God Almighty himself and it is in his word. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And I believe it was Warren Wiersbe that writes, why substitute human speculation for divine revelation? Amen. And let me read, I'm going to read that again folks because we've got a bunch of experts in our world today. Why speculate? Why substitute human speculation for divine revelation? But folks, I hope some of you are saying, "Well, it's good. We expect a preacher to say that." But folks, I want—I want to point out again why we can believe these things that Paul has wrote down about death and the afterlife. And I want to point something out: these things are are a. a it's not something that God gave all at one time. God's revelation about death and the afterlife was gradual and progressive, just like in the Old Testament. Paul, say, uh, Job says, "If a man die, shall he live again?" Well, the New Testament answers that question, folks. Yes, we live again. Why? Because of what Jesus has done for us. Let me read one last verse to you, okay? And this is out of Second Timothy chapter one verse ten. And Paul is describing what Jesus has done for us in his coming, in his death, and his burial, and his resurrection. Listen to this. And now has manifest through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now look at this. Who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. How can I stand up here today and tell you these things? Because I believe... The word of God reveals that in Jesus Christ. You remember Jesus always talking about life. You remember the gospel of John. It just blesses my heart. In him was what? Life. And not just this earthly life. Not just these 70 years that we live here on this earth. If we're fortunate and blessed to live that long. But Jesus is the author of life. Eternal life. All of us are going to die unless we're standing on this earth when Jesus comes in the air and raptures us out of this place. But folks, he is life. This is about him. This is about what he's got planned for us. And I pray that in the coming weeks as all of this unfolds and you can see this, I hope you see that this is something we must spend time on. The word of God is going to reveal so much to us if we will just listen we look to Christ into the New Testament for the complete revelation concerning death and the afterlife. And folks, I ask that you let God speak through his word and through his son and through his Holy Spirit. And pray for me again that I'll stand here in this pulpit and share the truth from the word of God. Let us pray together. Father, I thank you for these moments that we can spend in the word of God. Lord, your word is inexhaustible. God, there's so much about your son, what he has done and is doing and will do for us that it's hard for us to grasp it all. But God, just give us knowledge and help us to hear the word of God. Help the Holy Spirit to take control of these services, Lord. That it will not be my words or what I've been taught or what I think but it will be what you reveal through your son and through your servants. And Father, today I thank you that as Christians there is this hope in us that stems not from what we believe, but it stems from what Jesus Christ has done for us already and the plans he has for us. We thank you that whether through death or through the rapture that we shall be with you for eternity. And God, we 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 don't want to be selfish. We want everybody on this planet to know your son is their Savior. We want heaven to be full. And so, Father, today we pray that if there are those here this morning that have not yet trusted Christ as Savior, that they would be led to trust him, if not in this hour, in the days ahead. And God, I just pray that you would take these promises from the word of God and instill them in our hearts and minds And even as many of us get closer to death, Father, we would know that everything's going to be okay because our Savior has provided the way for us. God, please speak through these moments of invitation, and if there are those that need to make public decisions, I pray, Father, that you'll lead them to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our hymn this morning of decision is when the roll is called up yonder, number 600. You know... If we're born-again believers, we ought to sing this with a smile on our face. All right, let's do it now. Lord, we will take it to heart, Lord, that we will be obedient to Your Word, and Lord, we will prepare our hearts and minds for Your Second Coming. we have a-